This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer. We are so proud to have the Dylan Law Group as our show sponsor. And did you know Dylan Law is an attorney on the Miller versus Bonta case fighting to remove California's ridiculous restriction on rifles? And if you have legal matters and involve firearms that you need to call an attorney, call John Dillon. Especially if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. That's John Dillon, specializes in California gun laws. 760-642-7150. Or you can visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. John Dillon's the best, man. Man, he is amazing. we got to get him back on again. He's so busy. So we had our uh, summer picnic last week. It was amazing. What? You're at looking Mike's at, Barbecue? At Mike's Barbecue. And you, I missed it? I, there was such a big crowd. I don't know. Were you, were you not in the crowd? <laughs> Dang. Yeah, we had- uh, That it, was Thursday. Uh or Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. Gee, you know, honest to God, you're that, not going to- All day Wednesday, I kept saying, there's something I got to do Wednesday. Night. Well, you and I even- Well, we, that were, was all the day we, were, we were all flustered. We were all flustered. That was the day you took me for a ride in the Bronco. We were all flustered. <laughs> Folks, I got to tell you, this guy got in this 2021 20, Bronco. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, he didn't he wasn't in the seat more than a minute. Yeah. He's like, I got to have this. And I have to agree. The new Bronco is pretty amazing, folks. Yeah, yeah see, I do that with guns, so I'm, I'm happy I don't do it well, with cars. Well, he does, too. <laughs> I don't do Listen, I don't really fall in love with cars. No, he does I really not. don't. I'm a Jeep guy. I love my Jeep Wrangler. But I would get rid of my Jeep and my, uh, Buick. my Buick, and I would get this Ford Bronco. Listeners, this is not your OJ's Ford Bronco. No, this no, is no, 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 new no. Ford Bronco. This looks like a seven, a '67, '68, you know, retro it, Bronco. I think they did a great job. My wife asked me what I liked about it. It is the perfect combination yeah. of comfort, yeah, and 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 rugged, yeah, and versatility, and versatility. It is perfect. Yeah, I know. You can. You, it's. I don't know if it's as capable as a Jeep, but you can take it. You know, ninety-five percent of the places you can take most yeah. Jeeps. Yeah. And it's extremely comfortable. Yeah. You can have it. We had we were actually having a, a conversation on the freeway. Yeah, without screaming at each other. Yeah. So Jeep lover, Jeep lovers out there, that's uh, that's something you're going to have to get used to the ability yeah. to speak to your passengers on yeah. the freeway. I know it's crazy. So, I hey, loved it. What you got scheduled today? So we got a, we got a whole bunch scheduled, but but let's talk about the picnic. Yeah, let's talk before. about it. So the picnic uh, we had we had a couple hundred people at the picnic. Oh no uh, wonder you didn't know I was. Yeah, there. it was uh, overflow. If you came to the picnic. Thank you so much. If you were in the overflow room, thank you so much. If you were outside, uh, yeah. thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. We uh, we may have bit off. That room looked a whole lot bigger before there were <laughs> Funny thing a whole is. lot of people in there. But Mike's Barbecue took really good care of us. Uh, Carl DeMaio was there to talk about the recall. Everybody listening to my voice right now, not only do you, you don't, I'm not, don't just vote yes. Don't just vote yes. You have to get other people to show up and vote yes. yes. 
there's so much to be done. Don't wake up on September right. 15th because they're already and, cheating. And they're already cheating. You got to get well. Listen, don't let. Here's the, here's my here's my issue with that, Dave. When you when when you talk about cheating, it, I've seen so many people throw their hands up in the air and say, "I'm not even going to try." They're cheating. You cannot. No, you no, cannot take no. that mentality. Yeah, you should take that as inspiration. Yes, and they are cheating, and they have started. In. So, do so get not out and do something. Mail it in. That's right. So there are people working on on the election uh, integrity, but if you don't show up, and if you don't get ten people to show up, uh, you know you, you have to. You have to. We ha- we got to win this thing. If he we if we to. don't win the recall, mm-hmm. it's it's it. We're not right back where we started. We're, we're even worse. Yeah, we're way way worse. And and there's polling booths all around your neighborhoods. That you can physically take your ballot in, or yeah. if you're really concerned about your neighborhood, go to the registrar's office. Yep, you can uh, drop September it right off. September fourteenth. Fourteenth. Yeah, to uh-huh. so vote. But here's the thing: vote and get other people to vote. I can't say that enough. Call us, email us, reach out to us on Facebook. If you if you don't know how to help, we can help you help. Uh, Reform California, Carl's group, they're doing a, an enormous job. Even if you're not a Republican, the local GOP are doing some things, but uh, do something. Do and, something. And I heard, I just had, I had Joseph Luciano on uh, mm-hmm. at one o'clock, mm-hmm. and he said the envelope has a hole in it that they purposely put in there to see what did you vote for, yes or no. I don't, okay i know <laughs> skip the cons- i don't care just vote <laughs> yeah. don't d- don't there there's not a conspiracy there's not just vote get out there and vote get your buddies to vote 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 yeah and there's lots of stuff you can do i mean nina's vote. uh been working with carl DeMaio's group and yeah. she's been making phone calls she's got a uh a carload of signs that she's been giving out to people so there's lots of stuff you can do if we don't win, it is not because there was a conspiracy or something right. like that. If right. we don't win, it's because you didn't do enough. That's right. And I'm talking to every single San Diegan out there. Every listener. Every one of you. It's This is the, the price. We're actually going to talk about that in the mic drop a little yeah, bit. If you're not happy with California, don't worry about it. But if you are not happy with California, vote, 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 vote. vote. Gun prom. We actually just had to. We're, we had to halt sales. We're we're over nine hundred people already. Oh. So uh, it, it, this is the last week. If you if you want to pick up a ticket and go individually, you can go. We're gonna uh, we're working on settling all the tables, but uh, basically this is the last week. Come I think Wednesday night, we're gonna shut it down. So if you want to buy a ticket to gun prom, it's okay. only ninety nine bucks. Uh, it's not one hundred and fifty. We cut it down to ninety nine dollars. Uh, it's on October sixteenth. Go to gunprom.com, and you can buy a ticket. This is it. Last few days, and you're not wow. going to be able to get in. So uh, That's awesome. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we've exceeded expectations. We're hoping for 800, Dave. I know. And now we're over. We're at like, what are we at, Joe? I think, when we talk, we're at like 915. Yeah, I, I heard 850 last time, but I'm just hearing nine for the first time Yeah, today, we're so. over. Wendy and I were doing some work, and we're over 900. Um, I think we're going we're gonna to get as close to 1,000 as we can. Um, but we're now over 900, so we had to, we had to shut shut it down. So last chance uh, to uh, to get an individual ticket. Also, uh, Magnum, how are tables? How are your tables? We have something like 98 tables or something like that. It's, <laughs> oh, so you have to stop the tables too? Well, we, we're gonna what we're gonna do is we have uh, you know we have a number of champagne wine. Well, we have a number tapes. of com- people that are committed, saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna buy a table." Uh, we're going to go back this week and say, look, now or never, because yeah. if, if you can't do it, we got to move on. Um, so, But for for now, you only have a few days left to buy individual tickets. If you haven't paid for your table yet, pay for your table. Um, get a hold of me. Let me know that, yeah, I want that table, and let's get it all figured out, because we are definitely running out of time. Wow. So, and where's it going to be? Town and Country, down in Mission Valley. Going to feed us? 
Gonna, oh, the food's delicious. Delicious. The food is delicious. Um, that was last gun problem, which has now been two years. Um, that was one thing everybody. Uh, com- it was kind of yeah, it was kind of a surprising thing. Yeah. You know, like, hey, I go to a lot of these, and this was it's actually not rubber good. chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the food's gonna be good. The entertainment's gonna be good. Everything's gonna be fantastic. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, our Magnum ep- episode uh, where we I interviewed uh, Dr. Piazza from. Uh, Front site that's up on our YouTube channel. If you go to youtube.com slash gun owners radio, mm-hmm. you'll be able to see it's about an, about a 45 minute or hour, hour long interview with Dr. Piazza, and he's a pretty interesting guy. You sound like Tucker Carlson. Do yeah, I just go up on Fox Nation? It's only about 45 minute interview, and yeah, it's, it's very engaging, and you'll really yeah. like it. You got to well, play the 10 minute version here, though. Right? Yeah, I don't have a, a, yeah, that's right. That's what he does. I don't have a bow tie. He doesn't have a bow tie. He used to Tucker. I know when he was <laughs> when he was getting famous. Have you read his book? I haven't. Was it good? I don't know. I'm going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got it yet, though. I'm looking forward to reading it. It's probably pretty good. He's quite. He's quite the guy. He anyway. is. He is a hoot. You know, he's one of those guys. I don't agree with everything he says. I don't even agree with the way he says it sometimes. But uh, I think he's really interesting. But you watch him every every night at five o'clock. I do. If well, I do. I, I don't have cable, so I got to watch him on YouTube. I just oh, watch okay. the clips. But I watch him. I think he's. He's but you're right. Sometimes you know he'll say one thing, and then you listen, then he'll play the clip that he took it from. No. That's not what he said. You know, <laughs> well, he, it's he, what he in, inferred, maybe, but that's not what he said. He he does this thing where he takes what other people says very literally, very literally, and and it's funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. He's a hoot. It's not ah. as good as us, though. Yeah, never. Hey, this is Gun Owners Radio. We'll be right back on FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. So we teach our kids to swim because we don't want them to drown. Uh, why don't we use the same uh, approach when it comes to firearm safety? We're going to talk about it next. But first, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Gun owners should have coverage for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. And while you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year, with comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Guess what, folks? Gun Owner Radio listeners get a free T-shirt when you join. Use promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO at uslawshield.com. Who you got for a special guest? Well, when I, you know, when I was a kid growing up in the uh, in the eighties, uh, I was taught uh, gun safety from a very early age. Although I was saying that of the four rules, I, th- I only remember learning two: the <laughs> treat every gun as if it's loaded, and and uh, don't don't put a gun on anything you're not willing to destroy. I, I don't think I learned the keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot, and the know your target and what's beyond until. I didn't know about those two. I knew about the first later. two. Yeah. I knew about the first two. But I think we've gotten pretty far away from teaching gun yeah. safety and and hunter safety and any kind of firearms training. Um, and uh, so well, we, Derek LeBlanc must have thought the same thing. I think you're right. So we he's he decided the, to uh, start an organization called Kid Safe Foundation S A F E. So we have him on the line here to talk about it. Uh, Derek, how are you? 
I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on here. I think this is really interesting. Okay, so the organization is Kid Safe Foundation. What does SAFE stand for? So the the SAFE is an acronym for Safety Around Firearms Education. Oh, cool. You know, so everything we do is about firearm safety, accident prevention inside and outside of the home. Also, anti-bullying, you know, all sorts of, of fun and relevant things when it comes to safety to our kids. And you started the organization? I did. Wow, that's very cool. What's your background? Uh, so my background, um, I, I became an NRA certified firearms instructor in 2014 after I was, you know, put in a dangerous situation when I was unarmed. And basically, I, I, I found a guy inside of my vehicle. I fought with him on the ground for about 10 minutes until my girlfriend came out and saved me with a pistol grip shotgun in my driveway. Holy cow. And so, so from that point, you know, I became a gun rights advocate. You know, obviously, because we're good people with a gun that, we're, that we stopped the, the, the threat without even firing a shot. And so I've used that to kind of educate and empower others. And, you know, in the beginning of my career, I realized that I was exposing kids to a potential hazard inside the home. And so I started, you know, looking at programs and you know, being from where I'm from. And, you know, there's one, you know, by the NRA, but I was concerned about how well it received it be. And so I started developing my own. Okay. Well, and so that was. A- th- let's go back to that incident. <laughs> so there, you, okay. there, yeah. there was a car in your, in your, he was in your car in your front yard? Absolutely. Yeah. So what had happened is I was going to work on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. and it's when we set the clocks ahead because of, uh, you know, spring ahead. Yeah. And, and so what had happened typically, I, I, you know, I live in West Eugene, which is kind of, it's a left, left of, of center area in, in Oregon. Yeah. And I normally take my gun out with me to clear my vehicle just in case. And on, and on that morning, really? I left my gun. Wait, 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 slow down. Okay, so you normally, that's a normal part of your day is to take your gun with you to make sure that your, your car is safe in Eugene, Oregon. Is that? Is that- absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's just, it's more of a, it's an insurance type thing. It's not like I'm ever expecting for it to happen. Um, but I have that with me, you know, typically. And it was that one day that I didn't. I left it on my kitchen counter. And that's when I needed it. And I remember vividly to this day as I, as I left the threshold of my door, as I was going out to my vehicle to warm up my vehicle, that I thought to myself, I should really have my gun. <laughs> and I thought, well, it's a Sunday morning. What's the worst that could happen? And so I, I hit my transponder. Um, and as soon as I opened the, the door, I noticed there were some feet exiting the rear passenger window of my truck. So this guy was doing a little barrel, you know, barrel dive mm-hmm. out of the rear of my truck. Um, so I ran around the hood of my truck. He was getting up and he was pretending like he was a CSI. And he said, I, I noticed your window was broke out. I thought I'd check it out for you. I didn't fall for it. I immediately swept his leg. <laughs> what a nice guy. Ground. Yeah, oh, he was great until I, I got on top of him, and that's when the fight began. And, you know, that was terrifying for me because I didn't know if he had a needle or a knife or any kind of weapon that could potentially harm me. And he, um, he was and just so kind of – he was just some dirtbag who was trying to take change out of your car whatever. Absolutely. And uh. what he had done is he had hit, hit the whole neighborhood, and, you know, he just picked the wrong truck. And – and so, you know, I, we fought on the ground for, you know, 10 minutes, which seemed like an eternity. Um, and all while I was yelling for my girlfriend at the time to get my gun, get my gun. You know, luckily for, for me, the way I had um, taken him down and put him on the ground, I put him down hard. Mm. And I had what's called the full mount on him. So, I, you know, I had mm. good control from the top. And, you know, so I was just kind of riding him and, and uh, fighting you, with him, you him a, in the ribs. Were you a high school wrestler? Uh, no, it was it was more instinctive, really. Um, okay. It was just I, I automatically reacted, and you know the most terrifying part is once I once I put him on the ground because I was like, now what? <laughs> and 
And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, she finally came out with that pistol grip, um, you know, with her cell phone and a pistol grip shotgun around the hood of the truck. And at that point he had given up and she called 911. The cops came about eight minutes later. So we're about 20 minutes into this whole ordeal and you, you know, nobody you, woke did up. You, uh, did you marry that girl? Oh, no. No, <laughs> I was going to say, that would have been enough for me to propose right there. <laughs> well, I told her, I told her we'll always have the internet, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so let me just run through real quick. So you, uh, there's a couple lessons here. Um, yeah. Number one, I learned that, I thought Eugene was kind of this this quiet little, uh, you know. Community? Uh, yeah, this quiet little community. Eugene, Oregon's where, isn't that where uh, the Ducks, uh, isn't, there, isn't Eugene a college town? It is, it is. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a quiet little community, but you're clearing your car every morning. That's amazing, number one. Number two is uh, that one time you left your house without your gun. I can't tell you. You know, I've been carrying concealed for well, less than maybe about three years now, and I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, I was just going to step out and go to the store or something like that, run a quick errand, and I thought, you know what? This is going to be the time. Go back and get your gun, you know, put it in the holster, do what you're supposed to do. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that was a pretty important lesson learned right there. Absolutely. And, that, you know, that's, you know, that, you know, totally changed my life, um, changed, you know, my mission for my life. And, you know, as much as it was a traumatic experience for me, I really, you know, I, I, I owe Sean, Sean, I forget his last name, but I owe him actually a debt of gratitude because it's really kind of put me on a, a different path. He set you on and a path. Very, Good for him. Yeah. yeah well, I hope he got his yeah. life together, and I hope that all worked out. So let's talk about that path. So, so you got experienced. Uh, you got uh, you know you're you're a trained uh, firearms instructor, but what um, what what triggered you? No pun intended. What triggered you to start the the Kids Safe Foundation? Well, it was early in my career, you know, I was working with parents that were new to firearms. And so I was concerned about, you know, you know, obviously, you know, them making a mistake and, you know, potentially one of their kids getting, getting hurt inside the home, you know. And so, you know, I, there was one, one program available by the NRA, but I was concerned about, you know, how well received it to be in my area. And so I started doing some research and I started developing my own. And it took about two years of hard development and we became a nonprofit in 2016 and we've reached about 22,000 kids in five states and taught them these life-saving skills. Okay, so what exactly did – so you, you were saying that the NRA has a program. Were you talking about the Eddie Eagle program? Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it I found that, too. If you live in a um, – you know, Oregon is, uh, you know, not the – I don't know. It's it's not it's not exactly a red state. It's kind of a purple state. It's pretty blue in some areas, right? Yeah, yeah. So the NRA – there's a bit of a stigma. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I found that too in California. I don't know if if the listeners in San Diego here know this or not, but California is a bit of a blue state. Um, and uh, we, I've I found that you know the NRA. And I used to do a lot of volunteer work, and NRA is uh-huh. uh, has a bit of a stigma, and it would it would stifle the good work that that I was trying to do. Um, so yeah. you're saying that you know, hey, going and saying, hey, I want to do this NRA program, that that hindered you. Yeah, and I, I think it's just it's just because of that stigma. You know, obviously, yeah. you know, I wanted to get, you know, you know, quote unquote butts in the seats. Right. And, you know, if I was if I was kind of advertising an NRA program, I, I felt like I would kind of limit my reach. You know, yeah. I, I didn't want to reach just five kids, I wanted to reach five hundred or a thousand. And and, uh, and what ex- and what exactly do you guys do? Is what are the what are some what are the what exactly does Kids Save Foundation do? What do you guys teach? 
Uh, so, you know, basically, you know, it just depends on what class we're doing. But, you know, if we're doing like a kid's farm safety one class, you know, these are typically held in a local Cabela's or Bass Pro Shop or, you know, any place that gives us access to children and be able to, to recruit people to come out from the community. But we're teaching them, you know, obviously, we're teaching, you know, the four basic rules. We're teaching the parents about proper storage of the firearm when it's not on them. We're also talking about video games, video game violence. We're also talking about anti-bullying, you know, and we're also teaching the kids about real firearms. And so I'm actually handling these guns. I'm showing them how they work. And you'd be surprised how many kids I meet at a young age that, you know, they've gotten all the information about, you know, an AR-15 from, you know, Call of Duty. Yeah. And, and so what I'm trying to do is kind of unpack their minds and say, hey, you know, there's a cause and effect when it comes to our firearm if we're not careful. And, you know, so and then also I'm reaching to the parents and, and talking to them about online safety, which, you know, the last year and a half, two years where everything's been online, you know, there's another avenue for, you know, predators to reach these kids. So it's everything's about, you know, the safety of the kids and, you know, giving the, the parents good information that they can, you know, imp- implement inside their homes. Well, the Call of Duty thing, you know, kids, I've noticed there's a whole – you know, the generation, I'm 45, the generation behind me, um, their exposure to firearms is, you know, video games, you know, computer games. And it's kind of good and bad, right? I mean, it's good that they're being Mm -hmm. exposed to the culture. Um, It's bad because that's not, it's just not the best source of of information. It's certainly not the best use of a firearm. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but it, but I think it, it, what you're doing is you're taking that and harnessing it and you know, pointing it in the right direction. You know, what, what's the reaction been from, from people in general? Oh, it's been it's been overwhelmingly successful just because of the way we're able to to present the message, and it's and it's an apolitical one. You know, it's it, you know we don't care if they have guns or don't like guns or are afraid of guns. You know, we can't be naive and think that our kids can't come in contact somewhere. Mm. You know, in ur- urban environments, you know, there's kids that come in contact with a, a firearm that's disposed of because of a criminal, and and so you know they're still going to have access to the firearm. So it's our goal is to have a very easy, common sense, you know, conversation about the safety and what those kids are supposed to do if they don't, if they come across that gun, you know, and, and I think, you know, as our message continues to grow and we reach more kids, you know, that's going to drive those, those numbers down. Um, we're, you know, right now it's, you know, before the COVID, it was, you know, eight to nine kids per day across the country are, are shot with a firearm. And that's, you know, that's, that's way too much. That's way yeah, too much. That's what we're, we're, we're trying to fix. Okay, great. This is uh, this is a really interesting conversation with Derek LeBlanc. LeBlanc? LeBlanc. LeBlanc from Kids Safe Foundation. Uh, hang out with us, Derek. We're going to go to the commercial and then uh, come back and talk to you more. Folks, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Well, Blackhound Optics, accurate, affordable, guaranteed sporting optics that go the distance. Backed by customer service that goes that extra mile. Great guys, great products, and a great company that is making optics affordable. On top of quality optics, they pay close attention to the customer experience. Did you know their scopes come with mounts? So you don't have to worry about finding out one that fits. We are so excited to have them on as official partner of the show. Ask for them at your local gun store or find them online at blackhoundoptics.com. All right, we're talking to Derek LeBlanc. LeBlanc, sorry, I keep messing that up. 
from uh, Kids Safe Foundation. Kid Safe Foundation. When you guys teach kids gun safety, you've been around since uh, I think you said 2015, 2016? 2016, yes. 2016, and you've taught how many kids in that time? Uh, 22,000. Holy cow. Feet. Yeah. And an- another thing that's kind of unique about us is we actually teach them on the range as well. And so we, we follow up our number one class with a number two, and we get to fire um, you know, rim fires. So that one's a lot of fun. Wow. Okay, so you're in Oregon. Um, yeah. Are the, the 22,000 kids, are these 22,000 kids in Oregon? Or, or what, how does it work? How does a kid learn about or learn from Kids Safe Foundation? Uh, so basically it's be everything on the West Coast. So Washington, Oregon, California. We just got back from Hawaii about a month ago, and we've been in Arizona as well. So basically wherever I go for a, a, a conference, I, I set up and do a class. And we reach the kids of those of those communities. Those communities. So a community, you know, a group or whatever, they say, "Hey, we want this class," and then you you schedule it and come out and, and deliver the curriculum. Yeah, uh, typically, you know, amazing. typically where wherever there's a, a Bass Pro Shops or a Cabela's, I'm a, I'm a pro staffer for them. So that's that's typically where we're going to hold our classes that are out of state. Okay. Have you done one up in what's the what's the what's the what's the Cabela? Is it a Bass Pro or a Cabela's up off like the ten and the fifteen? Yeah, I know the one you're thinking. Is that of Ontario? I can't think of the town now. I don't remember yeah. what it is. Have you done much in Southern California? Uh, no, we've been in Northern California. We've been near Anderson. We do a boat and sportsman show there every year, um, and that's in Northern California. What's What's interesting to me is is you have a lot of guns in California. A lot. You have a lot of a lot of guns that parents don't talk to their kids about. Yeah. And, and so when we're down there, it's, it's kind of, it's they, the parents are really thankful for the education, but it's, they don't think about it because every gun that they potentially own is illegal because of a pin stroke. And so it's interesting being, it's a, kind of a different, different culture down there. So what's, what's the, what's the plan? Like what's the, what's the, what's the ultimate result that you're looking for? We teach 22,000 kids, uh, about gun safety, about uh, you know safely using a gun, um, you know the function mm-hmm. and purpose, that sort of thing. What do you hope will happen with those twenty-two thousand kids? Well, those twenty-two thousand kids, we're hoping them will have long, happy, successful lives, um, and they're going to tell their friends, and they're going to protect their kids or their friends because they're not going to want to show their their friends their their parents' guns. You know, like show and tell. That's how a lot of kids are hurt, and. You know, I did write legislation in 2019 that would have authorized our program in all the public schools for first graders here in Oregon. So the goal would be to, you know, expand to Washington, Hawaii, you know, Missouri, any place that where we can do it, you know, through statute where we can introduce what we're doing uh, to reach those kids and, and do it that way legislatively. So what's uh, 22,000 kids? That's amazing. It's a fantastic goal. I'm so glad you guys exist. Um, uh-huh. what's a success story? So a success story, obviously, you know, there's a lot that are not published, you know, cause they are kind of sensitive, but yeah. you know, one that really sticks in my mind is, you know, when it comes to, you know, talks about our anti-bullying component of our program is, is there was a kid, I, I taught a class a year and a half ago or so to, uh, uh, some Cub Scouts. There's about 41 Cub Scouts in that class and about a month went by and I got an email from one of the mothers. And, you know, in this in this part of our program, we're talking, you know, if they're ever, you know, bullied, we're teaching them, you know, how they de-escalate that situation, how they get a parent involved. Well, anyways, you know, this this young child was threatened uh, by a bully at school to bring a gun to take care of him. And luckily, he remembered our training, uh, got his mom involved. She called 
you know, law enforcement, and they, they actually stopped a school bus on the way to school, and there was a gun in the backpack. And, you know, that, that was at a, a middle school about 15 minutes away from my house. So it, it's – and it's, you know, something like that never hits the paper, but it's something that, you know, everybody involved, like the, the parents that, you know, had kids on that bus, they all know. And, and it, was, it was pretty traumatic for a lot of them, but it was, it, was, it was proof that, you know, proper education can save lives. And so that's why we have to have these conversations. This kid was bringing a gun to school because he was afraid of a bully? Is that is – that, did I hear that right? No, it was actually the bully that was bringing a gun to 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 shoot the the kid that was being bullied. Oh my god! And and, I hope this and kid so got luckily, the help he needs. He needs. Yeah, me too. Me Good too. Good lord! You know, I yeah, it's a really scary, but it's a really important reminder about proper storage. You know, if those if the parents you know properly store their their firearms, and I don't I don't think we should have more laws. You know saying that we have to secure our guns, but I think we should, you know, make it a better habit of, of securing our guns when they're not on us. Common the sense. The likelihood of that happening. Just, yeah, common, just sense. common sense, yeah. Hey, Derek, yeah. I'd like to back up a second. You said you uh, you helped write legislation to um, to get your program uh, introduced in schools in the first grade. Did I hear that? Yeah. Did, you, did yeah. that legislation actually get passed and they're doing that now up there? No, we actually, we got a public hearing. Um, so in 2019, there was about 37 anti-gun bills here in Oregon. And so there was, you know, one monstrosity of a bill, and then there was our bill. We got a public hearing, which what we did there is, you know, we learned a lot from the process. We were able to, you know, get the other side, you know, on the record. And we opened up a national dialogue when it comes to the safety of our kids. And, and you know, the bill that I wrote, I wrote on an on a iPad in a coffee shop on a Sunday. And... You know, basically, it was so simple. It was so easy. You know, it was turnkey, and it was something I put a lot of time and effort and thought into to, to pinning. And it was just one page, and that's you know that we don't need twenty five hundred pages in this these bills. You know, twenty seven hundred I think is the uh, the key average. Want. Is that the average? Yeah. Well, twenty seven hundred. Oh, then then they can pass it without reading it. So that's the way they go. Oh yeah. But well, are you guys gonna what? are you gonna keep going with that, Derek, or is that is that stop? Absolutely. Stopped? Outstanding, because no, that's what we need. We need more of that in the schools, or we need some yeah, of it in the school. We don't have anything now. Well, and that, that's the plan is is just to give the schools options when it comes to the safety of the kids. And 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 you know what you you've been ta- talking about. You know, we're talking about water safety. I water. I I modeled this program similar to water safety because we teach every every kid in the country how to swim, and that's the same principle behind our firearm safety program is education for every kid. And I mean, we're talking about Latin kids. We're talking about Russian kids, Japanese, Chinese kids that, you know, speak with American sign, you know, education for every, every child. So what's been the biggest challenge? Probably the biggest challenge is probably the funding. Um, you know, obviously being a nonprofit, it's, it, it's definitely challenging. And, you know, so we always have, we have some great sponsors that have helped out along the way, but, you know, to get to that next level, obviously we need help from, from the community and the, the gun, the firearms community. So I'm hoping in the next, you know, within the next year or so, we'll be able to go national with our program. We're in the, the final, you know, legal part with trademarking and copywriting, all that, all that jazz, but we're, we're getting so close. Interesting. So what do you guys do for fundraising or, or, or more accurately, uh, how can people help? Well, well, you can, you can like comment or, or share our page on, on social media. Um, you can find us on our website. There's a way to donate there. You also can find out about the stuff that we're doing and you can also, we have some pretty good blog posts there. that kind of talk about, 
different things to think about when it comes to the safety of your kids. And we're, you know, we're always looking for, you know, big, big sponsors that can kind of help, help us share our message. So we're in, uh, you're in year five, I think, right? Yep. What's been, uh, what's been the most surprising thing that's happened or, or about your, your journey since you started? I think the most surprising thing for me is to see these kids, um, you know, and when I do different events and they come back every year and just watching their growth. And how they still remember what they've learned because of the way they enjoyed the class and the way we're able to engage with them when we're doing different events in, in public. And, and knowing that, you know, education, if, if done properly, you know, it will do more than any different, any kind of law when it comes to restriction. And, and so we should be focusing as, as a society about, you know, proper education as opposed to more restriction. So I don't know if I, I've talked to a lot of people that have that have taught 22,000 kids in, in five years. Or just um, been around 22,000 kids. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. Um, I don't, how, am I asking how old a guy you are? I'm 44. Okay, so we're the same age. We both grew up in the yeah. in the 80s and I'm sure watched Red Dawn. Probably likes Red Dawn. Probably likes Red Dawn, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> see, So what is, what's the biggest difference between the 22,000 kids you've taught in the past four, five, six years and, uh, you know, kids growing up in the 70s and 80s? Um, I think we've, we've kind of softened as a society. And, you know, the reason, the reason I do what I do is because I'm, I'm concerned about the republic. And I, I feel that the future of the republic does depend on our children, and that's why I think it's important that we, you know, reach them at a young age and teach, you know, facts over fear. You know, right now, you know, fear is, is being driven by the media, you know, stuff that is not um, necessarily the truth is being misrepresented as the truth. And, and so it becomes truth. And, and that's kind of as, as the gun community, we have to do better when it comes to kind of countering these, these half-truths and showing, you know, the proper way to do things. And I, I think, you know, with, you know, what we're trying to do with the kids is, is obviously get them involved at a young age, um, teach them about safety, discipline, and respect for firearms. And, and so the likelihood of, you know, something tragic happening, they're diminished quite a bit if, we, if we're if done properly. Is there something that this generation does better than the previous generation? Is there something that you see in these 22,000 kids that you think, man, that's, that's actually better than, you know, 1980? Well, I think, I think the way they are able to access information – you know, they have information coming at them so fast because of technology. That's something, you know, our, our generation is, you know, we're, we're learning, you know, but these kids are learning at five and six and seven years old, and, and they're kind of, you know, light years ahead of us. And, and so I think, I think it's important as, as gun owners and as the gun communities, we're using that same, same technology to our advantage to reach the kids and do it in an effective way where we can, you know, get them into, you know, our kind of – our basket when it comes to the two-way community. Interesting. All right. So how do people find you? Tell us, tell us a little bit about it, it. Tell us what your website is and then tell us what you want them to look at when they go to your website. Okay. So you can find us on our website, kidssafefoundation.org. There's actually two S's in there. It's K-I-D-S-S-A-F-E foundation.org. I um, mean, you can just check out our blog, check out, you know, some of our success stories there on the website. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok as well. All right, buddy. Hey, it's been a great interview. Thank you very much. Look forward to 
talking you down the road, see how things are going. And if you ever get out this way, we've got a great gun prom coming up in a couple Absolutely. of months. That, that ought to be something you didn't be involved there in. There you go. October 16th. Yeah. See? If you can make check out gunprom.com. If you can make it, you get a free ticket, man. Sounds good. I'll check it out. All yeah. right. We're going to take a quick break. Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. All right. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. So, force on force training. What is it and why is it good for you? But first, did you know law abiding gun shops? And manufacturers have their accounts shut down because companies like Shopify, PayPal think guns are inappropriate. Well, shutting down a lawful business is wrong, which is why we are so excited to welcome 365 Glacier Payments. They are a 10-ring partner. 365 Glacier Payments specializes in serving companies in the firearms industry. And if you have a firearms business, and accept credit cards, give them a call today so you can enjoy the peace of mind that your accounts won't be shut down and also enjoy the best rates. Visit their website at 365glacierpayments.com. All right, we have a special guest. We Ken do. Stretch from Stretch Tactical. How are you doing, Ken? Good, guys. How's it going? Excellent. So you have you are a firearms instructor. You've been on the show before, obviously, and you're a firearms instructor. You have military training. You have law enforcement training. Uh, you've also taught classes for 511 Tactical's ABR Academy, and you've uh, done some live fire collaboration with Rick Hogg of Warhog Tactical. My first question is, how cool is the name Warhog Tactical? I mean, honestly, <laughs> is everybody in the industry a little jealous that their name is not Rick Hogg because that's <laughs> about as well, cool as it gets. Yeah, yeah. So Rick's head now, next time he's over at my house, I'm going to have to put some lube on it. So it fits through this. But no, joking aside, Rick is, is a great dude. And so there's actually a little bit of a story behind uh, the Warhawk thing. His company was originally something else. And someone's like, hey, man, you got to put your name in it. So he combined Warhog with uh, kind of the premise of, you know, the A-10 Warthog. Right, right. So a little bit of the Warthog, Warhog type of thing. So. Uh, yeah, it's definitely cool. It's not as cool as Stretch Tactical, though. I have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, of course not. Now, you're coming out. You're actually going to teach classes. You're teaching a force-on-force class. You're teaching a one-day tactical shotgun, right, out here in San Diego? Yep. I am. When's that happening? So October 23rd uh, is one-day force-on-force at an academy, and then the one-day uh, one tactical shotgun is the next day on the 24th. But – I was watching uh, you guys on YouTube before, and you had uh, Biden on there talking about just buy a shotgun, two blasts in the air. So you really don't yeah. need to come to the shotgun class. That's all you, you need. For Biden. Biden. That's yeah. all you need. Is that is that pretty much the the class curriculum right there? You just kind of yeah. So I pay Biden to come in, and he says, "Hey, step out on the balcony, fire two blasts, and that's it." And I collect your money. We all go home. You're good hey, to go. Good hey, to Ken. By all. Ken, do you guys yeah. use the um, do you use the Biden targets in your class where you got the uh, bullseye on the knee? <laughs> yeah because that's a really easy target to hit we, we move the target back and forth to make it realistic for yourself so talk about if you do if someone does take the force on force class what, what are they learning so force on force is truly where the rubber meets the road right mm -hmm. um so i i wouldn't say like if you just got your gun today you know step into the force on force class tomorrow um somebody that's got a class or two under their belt you know outside of the 
welcome to owning a gun class, uh, you know, a couple of defensive or tactical classes, wherever you want to call them, and you're comfortable with drawing a gun from concealment, reloads, malfunctions, all of that stuff. So you have that base uh, skill set when you come into force on force. So force on force, uh, for people who don't know, uh, guns that are either modified at the factory or aftermarket with conversion kits, they're real guns, and they'll fire a paint projectile. So they have a uh, shell casing and a primer and a, a colored you know, detergent, uh, basically, so it'll wash out if you're worried about your clothes. And, you know, you can shoot, you know, like a real gun. You can use your, your real holster that you use for concealed carry, and then we put you in these scenarios. You could be in a uh, liquor store and it's getting robbed or carjacking scenario, home invasion. And instead of just shooting at a paper target that doesn't shoot back, that doesn't think, that doesn't move, now you have to deal with a living, breathing, thinking human being who's shooting back at you and when you get hit with these things, it really hurts. I have a welt on my hand from, I don't know, five, six years ago that never went away scar. Um, so you got to wear protective gear. you got you know, a helmet. you got groin protection, stuff like that. So there's a pain component to it. You know, where you get shot once or twice with one of these, you're not going to want to get shot again. Uh, and you're going to go through a full day of that. So That's cool. there's really a, uh, a payoff to not get shot, to do the right thing. And then we put you in scenarios that, hey, uh, maybe you shouldn't have gotten involved. Maybe you should have been a good, uh, you know, good witness, yeah. right? But then, you know, we can't let you just walk out like that because you're really not going to test your skills. So there's going to be scenarios where you really have to get involved. Or, you know, you think you got to get involved, and then we throw a twist in that you didn't see coming, and you're like, yeah, I should have paid attention in the briefing. So we'll start the class off with a little bit of combat mindset, some stuff I've experienced, you know, personally in the street as a cop. Uh, and, and friends of mine that have been involved in things or things I've responded to, um, or just maybe some things I've seen on the news, right? We'll give you kind of a, hey, this is how you should approach it, because I can't teach you what to think, you know, if this, then that, because there's too many variables in, in something that could happen to you, right? So right. the only thing I can do is teach you how to think, and how to think is by putting you in these scenarios, and you call it stress inoculation, right? The stress mm -hmm. of having to think, not wanting to get shot, wanting to do well. And a little bit of our ego is gun people, right? Like, oh, I'm a gun guy or a gun girl. I, you know, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to rock this scenario. And you get in there, you start getting nervous and you start second guessing a little bit. or You're not sure what's going to go on because you know something's going to happen. But it might be a scenario where nothing happens. And we just kind of see how you react. Yeah, if you've so, never, I'll tell you, listeners, if you've never taken any kind of class where someone's shooting back or if you've never at least played paintball or something like that, whole new world whole new yeah. uh development of a whole new skill set a uh, whole new uh, mindset when someone's uh, you know it's not even even like uh, compared to like ipsic or idpa uh you know those targets don't shoot back and uh it, it's extremely extremely valuable I'm, I'm glad you're coming out to to teach that and you're doing a one-day tactical shotgun and i have a shotgun question for you i'm starting to ask all the every shotgun expert i can i'm asking them this question um, I like to make things uh, really complicated, and uh, I like to, uh, you know, uh, if every if everybody's thinking or doing one thing, I like to push back on that. And so this question is a combination of both those things. So um, I've noticed that, you know, of course, everybody use, that uses shotgun for home defense or self-defense typically has some kind of, of buckshot. I mean, there's a couple of, you know, variables. Some people like this, some people like that, but most people use double-aught buck. Um, right. so what they're, and, and they're, what's becoming really popular is the flight control 
so that that those nine pellets stay really, really, really tight. And yep. I've noticed even with uh, non-flight control from my Mossberg 500, when I go to, to pattern my shotgun, um, you don't really get any kind of spread until you get at least 10 yards out, at least 10 yards. You get a nice tight grouping. And then even at 15 yards, it's it's still fairly tight. And, of course, for home defense, you know, 15 yards, unless you're making a lot more money than I am, you're not going to have a lot of shots in your house that are more than 15 yards. Here's my question. If if that's the goal, to keep the, the you know, the, the nine pellets, you know, tightly in there, why aren't we promoting uh, slug more in in home defense shotguns? Why why don't why don't we all just switch to slug? So the, there's a couple of things, right? So yeah, if it's just home defense, okay, I you know I got it. Um, but as far as the slugs, slugs can overpenetrate. I uh, went to a homicide one time. Dude shot a guy through uh, through the car window. Uh, that wasn't enough. Pulled him out. Stood over him. Shot him in the head. Top of his head looked like a can opener, opened it up. His brain was gone. There was a piece of the skull like 20 yards away. What happened to that slug? We never found a slug. We didn't even find his brain. Um, it just decimated it, right? So now you got to deal with overpenetration when you're talking about a slug. Even reduced recoil slugs, um, I've shot them in the bulletproof vests. Sometimes they stop them. Sometimes they don't. Generally speaking, no. Uh, Full-power slugs will always go through. Uh, go through a bulletproof vest. So you really got to worry about overpenetration with that. The other thing with the shotgun and 2020, 2021 has showed us this is, yeah, maybe you're going to use it in your house, but what happens, uh, man, what were the attorneys in, uh, I can't think of their name, Missouri or something, when, it, when the people came in their gated community? Yeah, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what happens when you have your home defense shotgun and now the situation that you never thought in a million years, and I'm sure they never saw that situation coming, you know, a year before that, what happens when you end up outside and now you got to take a shot past your, you know, your pattern buckshot, that seven yard shot or whatever your vestibule or longest shot in your house is. You, if you always train, and I hear people say, uh, you know, with the handgun anyway, you know, five rounds, five yards, five seconds, that's going to be the, you know, the standard I have to train for because that's the most likely situation I'll find myself in. What happens when you, when you train to that standard, but you find yourself in a situation that's, you know, a minute and a half, you know, three people wearing body armor, which we've seen a lot of body armor out in the street, you know, in the last, you know, year or two. Um, and I've seen it before in my career. What, what happens when you find yourself in that scenario you didn't prepare for? You're better off training for the worst case scenario you, you, you couldn't even imagine so that when you find yourself in that, you know, five yards, five rounds, five seconds, or whatever home defense uh, situation you find yourself in, uh, I don't want to say it would be a piece of cake, but, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I spend time in the Army, right? More sweat and training, less blood in combat is kind of the, the premise there. So you should train harder than you need to or harder than you think you need to. So then if you ever find yourself in that situation, you know, you'll you'll shine. You won't, you. you won't just survive. You'll thrive. All right. Okay. How do people sign up for the class? Sure. So they just go to stretztactical.com, S-T-R-E-T-Z, tactical.com. And I believe there's a, uh, I don't want to quote discount, but I believe there's a gun owner's radio yep. discount. Listener discount, 10% if you, for uh, for gun owner's radio, uh, sorry, listener discount is 10% if you enter gun owner's radio 
and members get 15% off. Right, Rich? Did I say that right? Okay, good. I said that right. Also, uh, what we want to do is get some law enforcement folks into your class. So we're trying to sponsor some folks to go to the class. So our law enforcement training scholarship, you can donate at gunownersradio.com. You can give that scholarship, and we're going to get Ken to treat some or to teach some uh, law enforcement guys. Ken, thank you so much. Give your website one more time. StretzTactical.com, S-T-R-E-T-Z, Tactical.com. All right, buddy. Good luck. Thanks All right. for having me on. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. And this year's best and worst status from gun owners. What do you think? Did California move up, down, or stay the same? But first, maybe you've heard of Mike Lindell and my pillow. Well, his company was banned because he stands against the cancel culture mob. Well, our freedom of speech is just as important as our freedom of self-defense. We are thrilled to support an American company like my pillow. Go to mypillow.com and use the Promo code free market three. You'll get up to 66% off America's best pillows. Get a great night's sleep and enjoy the satisfaction of supporting companies fighting against cancel culture. That's mypillow.com using promo code free market three. All right, Joe, what do you got for us? Uh, what I got is the best and worst states uh, for gun owners. But that's interesting, though. I didn't know uh, Mike Lindell got canceled by cancel culture, and right. they say cancel culture doesn't exist. So, uh, oh, that's right. How does that So work? he must not be canceled, really. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was looking. Uh, Guns and Ammo magazine does a, um, a little thing every year where they, they go through and they rate uh, the different states in terms of how they are for gun owners, uh, you know, which states are the best for gun owners, and then all the way down to California and the others. I didn't know they do that uh, every year? Yeah, it's an annual thing. So, uh, which makes it every year. <laughs> that would be it. So, um, yeah, I was reading it and I, I thought, yeah, this, uh, this will be a good one to just kind of write about and bring it up, uh, just to show people that don't have access, uh, at the moment to, uh, guns and ammo magazine. So it's interesting if, um, you know, people like us that are immersed in this stuff, I mean, the results aren't real surprising. You could probably guess, uh, you know, the top five and the bottom five. Yeah. We're, um, the, we're in the top five, but, uh, yeah, it depends on how you look at it. Right? It's perspective. <laughs> You're standing um, on your head. So, um, yeah, I thought I'd just bring it up and talk about it for a little bit. And, you know, the, the country's not in bad shape in, in terms of Second Amendment. I mean, you know, part of it, we live out here, as, as John Dillon says, we've been, uh, we've been institutionalized, right? right? So we've been abused for so long that oh, yeah, everything's terrible. 
And, um, you know, we have kind of a skewed view and then you put the media on top of that and the, and the, um, you know, the extremists that are uh, in charge at the moment. And it seems like things are bad, but when you actually take a look at things, things are not really that bad around the country. You know, there's pockets, but, um, you know, most of the states are pretty reasonable. And um, what Guns and Ammo does, or Guns and Ammo Magazine does, they go through and they rate the states, uh, and they look at five different categories. And then they give states, um, you can score from one to ten points, depending on how you are in each of the categories. And um, so, you know, you've got 50 points total. And uh, Wyoming, and, and there's a, there was a number of them, actually, I think, that were tied. But Wyoming is number one, and, um, you know, with all 50 points. And so the top five good states, not surprisingly, are Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, um, Utah, and then Arizona. <clears throat> and, um, you know, they go through and look at these different categories. And the five categories they look at, they look at right to carry. So they evaluate the state in terms of um, do they issue concealed carry? Um, how difficult is it to get a concealed carry? Um, what's the cost to get a concealed carry uh, permit? How long does it take? How long? Well, yeah, I didn't see how long, but I'm I'm guessing uh, they're you know looking at that there. too. Should be if it's not. Yeah. Maybe they're listening, and um, you know the cost, the training required, and all that. So they they rate states on that. Uh, the second area is black rifles, and um, do they have restrictions on Explain rifles? Explain a black rifle for maybe people that don't know. So what for is. the most part, black rifles are going to be AR style rifles, gotcha. things like that, the so called assault weapon. And they rate states on, do the states restrict uh, firearms based on appearance? Because that's really what it is. It's not based on functionality. Right. Right. So do they, do they restrict, um, you know, firearms based on, on things like a collapsible stock? Or do they limit the magazine capacity and that kind of stuff? So that falls under the black rifle category. Um, then uh, they look at the National Firearms Act, the uh, National Firearms Act from 1934, I think it is. The thing, um, that's the federal uh, law that regulates machine guns, <clears throat> machine guns, uh, short-barreled rifles, short-barreled shotguns, uh, suppressors, things like that. Uh, so they look at that and say, okay, does the state uh, put any further restrictions on, on the restrictions that are already there from the federal government? So they rate them on that. Um, they look at Castle Doctrine. So does the state have those kinds of laws? Do they have a duty to retreat law? Um, also, um, within that, um, they look at, uh, is the, uh, does the state provide protection? If you're involved in a, a defensive incident, a self-defense incident, uh, are you protected from uh, civil liability if, if they decide that, okay, no crime was committed there? Because some states do that. A lot of states do that. A lot of states don't. And then, uh, or actually, I should say a lot of states do that. Some states don't. Um, and then there's a miscellaneous category um, for things like uh, the overall gun friendliness and the culture. Uh, preemption statutes. So uh, are localities able to uh, to write laws that, that contradict the state's laws, things like that? So different states uh, handle those kinds of things differently. They look at the availability of shooting ranges, um, competitive shooting opportunities, so those sorts of things. So um, they go through and rate things like that. So we mentioned the top five um, that were there. If you look at the bottom five, anybody want to guess what uh, the bottom state is? California. Oh, so close. Massachusetts. No. Actually. no? Oh my gosh. But that... you're it. But you're all in that cat. You're in the bottom five. I Illinois. So all the way at the bottom is uh, the state from our second favorite governor or former governor, I guess, New York. Oh, is I should, uh, don't, where, it's like I'm not even. Yeah. Why wouldn't you have thought that? It's like I'm not even trying here, Dave. 
Well, uh, you're not related to Sam the Gunman, that's no. for sure. Sam would not Well, yeah, no, Sam might have known we'll this. Let's ask him about it. But, um, <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I would. my guess would have been Hawaii because, uh, again, Hawaii, from what I hear, is just, just terrible. They're, nobody's got a gun. They don't issue. They have all sorts of uh, bad things in Hawaii. But New York was the worst, um, then Hawaii, then Massachusetts, and then my home state in New Jersey. And then uh, California was number 47. And um, it was interesting, too. I was looking at the uh, just the scoring because, uh, like I said, uh, Wyoming was number one. That was the best place to be, and that scored all 50 points. Mm -hmm. um, any guess with uh, California, what they scored mm. in total points? Mm. Where, where was New York? Uh, New York was number 51 because they count D.C., so New York was the worst. Mm. California was number 47. And, and out of – I don't know. I don't so, know. and Wyoming was was number one yeah. at fifty points. Yeah. Uh, so California scored a whopping ten points. Ten. Yeah. How did we get ten. that high? And uh, yeah, there are some below us, obviously. But um, yeah, I think we scored. Um, what did we score in? Because we got some points in um, in something, and it was like the miscellaneous uh, section or something like that. But uh, just a handful of points, though. We never really. I don't think we scored above six in anything, and we got a several zeros. So. So uh, that's what you would expect. And, you know, it's interesting. Well, the left because, would like those numbers. Yeah, and but what, I mean, again, if you look at, like, uh, they started doing this in 2013. And, for instance, in 2013, there were um, three states that were uh, what we call constitutional carry now that, that allow people to carry without a, uh, without a permit. And now, just eight years later, there's 21 states that do that. So things have changed quite a bit. Um, we're over 20 million uh, permitted concealed carriers. So, you know, th I think the mood of the country generally is, is pro-Second Amendment. It's moving in that direction. Well, it's, it's just it's being pushed into that. Well, direction. I think people feel that way. I think what you don't, what you don't see is because the media won't report that. Mm -mm. Um, you know, we've got, we've got a whole political party that's made it their um, – that's made it their goal, I guess, to disarm uh, Americans in the country. And uh, although they've gotten sidetracked now with uh, this last week's fiasco. <laughs> and you're going to talk but, about that when we come back, if I'm not mistaken. We should talk about that when we come back, yeah. Well, it says right here, Joe Germisi. Does that mean I'm getting it? Was that the hook? That's or, the hook. Read your paperwork, son. Well, before we go, AKs are, AKs are who's listening. Uh, wants to know what choke I was using when I was talking about my shotgun. He wanted to know what choke I was using. It is a, uh, it's an 18 or it's a 20 inch barrel on a Mossberg 500, and it's got a full choke, not variable. It is a full That's choke. That's what I have too, but mine's better than yours. <laughs> right well, here, Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome back. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Yeah, turn the page. This yeah. past week, we saw the Taliban take over Afghanistan. I think I've seen that movie before. I did, too. And the first thing they did was disarm the population because, according to the Taliban, quote, they can now feel safe and no longer need personal protection. Let's talk about it. But first, PRMI Mortgage, folks. PrimeRes.com slash Alpine. Are you in the military? Are you looking for help with a VA loan? Or if you're just looking to buy, refi, or just consider a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust, Chris Wiley at BRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris Wiley a call at 
888-722-1303, or just go to primeres.com slash Alpine. All right, Joe, it's all yours. That's all mine. You know, it's interesting. I hadn't seen that until I took a look at this uh, from Reuters, though, um, that comment by the Taliban official. I um, haven't either. Because that's, I mean, that's a familiar, I've, we've heard that before, right? You don't need guns. You're safe now. You know, we're here. <laughs> that's weird that there's a Taliban official. I didn't realize yeah. they were that. Organized. They even have their own uh, uh, Twitter. Twitter. I know. They're on Twitter. Trump's not on Twitter. No, the no, Taliban's no, no. The on Taliban Twitter. Is because they're, they're more honest <laughs> yeah, and straightforward. They're, they're within the community standards. <laughs> yes. The Taliban. The yes. Taliban. Yes. My goodness. The, the, one, the ones that aren't beating Americans and uh, keeping people from no, the airport. No, 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 yeah, no, no. They're, they're not beating Taliban. Americans. They just show the passport. <laughs> the, the sea opens up like the Red Sea, and then they just go right straight to the gate and get on the plane. Their tweets are very polite. They are. There you go. It'll be very interesting to see what. Have uh, you been following this, this pretty closely? Uh, yes, I a little bit. Not close enough to see the Reuters report, but yeah. yeah you and me both. <laughs> I thought I was. Aside would be from that. Well, but, I, I think in general, I think a couple things can be true. Number one, it was time to leave Afghanistan. Without a doubt. Well, hold that thought because I'll talk to you about that one. All right. Go ahead. No, no, no. Well, all right. Well, so I, I, go, but go I think, your, your I think number, what I'm about to say, number one and number two can be true side by side. Number one, it was time to leave. Uh, uh, Afghanistan. Number two, the way Biden left Afghanistan was a complete and total Atrocious. disaster, failure uh, of epic proportions. But he was trying to fulfill a campaign promise, and that I know, but that was to get the military out of Afghanistan, and that's what he tried to do. He just did it in the wrong order. Did it all wrong. Totally. Yeah, because well, because I mean, the last. A couple of presidents have said that. That was one of Trump's goals was to get yep. out of he there said completely. The same thing and too. President Obama wanted to do the same thing. But don't you think those military advisors must have told him, say, sir? They say they did. We need to leave <laughs> the military to last. Well, see, and that's the thing, because Michael's point, uh, his first point, where you were saying that uh, it was time to get out of there. And I would have agreed with that completely up until a couple of days ago. And... Um, what I didn't realize was that, okay, we were there, but we had, they say, about 2,500 soldiers or something like that there that were mostly non-combatant type soldiers. I mean, I'm sure there were special forces people mm -hmm. doing different things, but for the most part, the regular soldiers were training and advising and assisting like that. Right. And we had not had a casualty there um, in 18 months, right. I think. And I, you know, I wanted to look it up because um, I, I wrote about this um, – Last week, because I was telling you guys I'm publishing on Substack nowadays, so at getagrip.substack.com. Get so um, what I'm doing is writing more stuff. So I'm putting the Second Amendment stuff on there, but I'm also writing other stuff that's not as you know not appropriate for our site, so I stick it up there too. Mm -hmm. But um, I was writing about, you know, did this uh, will this impact Joe Biden and the presidency? And um, one of the things that I wanted to look up, and I didn't get around to it, but I know we lose soldiers in training accidents every year. And just because of the nature of the stuff they do, it's dangerous, mm -hmm. and the training is dangerous. And uh, I don't know, I didn't get to see what the number is, but I'm sure it's uh, it's bigger than one every 18 months. And what I was, um, the thing that made me think about this was, you know, leaving a force there of 2,500 mostly non-combatant people is not that unreasonable if it helps that Taliban army keep everything under control or that government stay under control there. Um, because we keep, uh, I don't know how many troops we have in South Korea, which kind of keeps South Korea together. We do the same thing in Germany. So it's not it's, it's see, not so bad to have troops there. It's bad if the troops were in combat. 
the but whole see, time. The problem there is it would have been fine if that military base was still there and intact. Well, and that's that's the second part of it. Okay, if you are going to pull them out, yeah. Okay, at least pull them out because we have what fifteen thousand Americans or so unaccounted for over there. I think that was I've heard, I heard as high as forty. Yeah, it could be. Well, plus not only the Americans, but everybody that supported the Americans, yeah. the Afghans, and they're that are all over, there. over the country. They're not just well, by the airport, right? So by leaving, there's not a good way. Even if even if the administration now decided, okay, we need to go back in and help these people, which doesn't sound like they're doing. They don't know where they're. There's at. no good way to do it, mm-hmm. and um, so it's, that doesn't it's, make any sense to me. Like, it, it literally doesn't mean there's something we're missing. There's some. They're not there's, telling us. There's no. There's some some way we're we're misunderstanding a story or a headline. There are fifteen thousand Americans in Afghanistan. We don't know where we are and they, or where they are, and we can't get them. I I, I watch on the surface two press events or press events. Yeah, press events. Both Millie and Kirby said specifically we we don't know how many. And we do not know where they're at. I, I don't know how many people need to get fired if that's real, but a lot. I mean, truly, there's, if there a, lot, are, there's a lot of people that need to get fired or resign. Oh, if, if they're if they're truly if if that's if it if it means what it's what we what it, what what it sounds said, like on the I surface said, yeah. that there are fifteen thousand Americans in Afghanistan and we don't know where they are and we don't know how to get them out. Uh, I, there's no end to the amount of people in the Pentagon and the State Department that need to get fired. Like ridden out of town on a rail that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, I I've never served. I've never been in the military. I've never uh, been to Afghanistan. I've never been in a war zone, unless you count Tijuana. So, but I can tell you, you know, the stories I've heard and the things I've read. I mean, you were in the military. Yeah, you both were in the military. Right. How? I mean, well, these aren't military people necessarily. No, I mean, they there's are there's not. support people. There's people over well, there, there were that s- were working in schools. There were people that were doing all sorts of other kinds of work that are Americans. But but to get in there, you know, I mean, who was in, in charge of Afghanistan? It was you know the the military. It was a it was a military state, a U.S. military state. So what I'm saying is, when you you know when they knew exactly what equipment was in your boot locker, right? Oh yeah. And when, when, when and you they were, would come and inspect. It, yeah, you get inspected. There were lists upon lists. There were the lists soldiers, lists. but they're not going to know that for uh, civilians that are there. Well, doing if they things. don't. That, then they all need to get fired. That's the is embassy. What I'm saying. See, now that's the embassy's <laughs> fault, not the military's fault. Would you not agree? Well, and I and I think the the civilians too that are there take some responsibility. Well, they for need that to register, well. but they they need to know what's happening. Uh, I, we didn't even tell our allies this was happening. I don't know if no. you were following that. Uh, France, um, uh, Great Britain, none of those guys knew. Um, we didn't um, even tell the Afghans we were leaving. Boris Johnson tried. It took him from all day Monday to try to get a hold. of This is the leader, the uh, prime minister of, um, of England or of, Britain, uh, Britain. of Great Britain, and he tried all day Monday. Finally, made contact with Joe Biden Tuesday evening. Hmm. And he was so on vacation. They said they didn't know. And something else I didn't realize either. There was um, it was a big NATO operation. They said there was over seven thousand um, NATO troops over there supporting what we were doing. So there were people from France or troops from France, from England, from different countries, and they were kind of blindsided by this, and they were pretty upset. If you're watching, um, if you follow the news reports now, the stuff that you're hearing from the 
the foreign newspapers, the English newspapers and stuff is, is much more uh, harsh and critical yeah. of, of what's going on yeah. here than our newspapers are. Right well, now. and those, the NATO troops were actually going out into the cities and bringing their people That's back. what they said. That's what France and England said. Yeah, they were sending their troops out there and to we try to find people. And we won't, well, we don't know where ours at. And that's what I'm saying. And I don't know how many, you know, there's, they're, they're maybe doing what they can do and because I haven't seen numbers on, on how many of their well, people are out there. The, the horse is already out of the barn. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Once they did this now, it's hard. Even if they decide they want to go back in, that's going to be a tough thing to do. Well, and now they're that. planning next week to go fly in and bomb all the military we left there. Oh, that's a, that's a great plan. Thanks yeah. for that. You don't think they – first we just told them. And just for you know, picture, I don't know if you've seen the photos of all the – Yeah, various oh. equipment. And yeah. yeah. But do you think they're just going to leave that there? I mean, the minute that the picture's over – Hey, here's yours. Here's yours. Here's yours. I did read an article. Um, you remember the 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 um, plot against the president movie? There was a guy in there. His name was Cash Patel. Yeah, I, I, yes. I watch yes. him all the time. He's my new best friend. He's very interesting. He's very intelligent. I read an article. Uh, he did an interview uh, where he basically said, "Well, here was our plan, and they didn't follow it at all, and right. it would have solved all these problems." Yeah. yeah. So apparently, the Trump administration left a plan that they feel would have been more successful. Sure. You know, no matter what, it was you know leaving Afghanistan was going to be a, a mess. Yeah. But not a catastrophe on this level. So uh, he made the case that, hey, look, our plan was to do this, this, and this, and this order. It would have kept the airport intact. It would have done this. It but it had that. the word Trump across the top of the plan. So they just ditched it. They ditched it. I mean, they I'll bet you a part of Trump's plan wasn't Afghan civilians falling from cargo jets. Mm, I'll bet you that not. wasn't in that plan. Well, no. they say, too, and, you know, the Biden administration keeps quoting the, what, May 21st date, I think is when Trump said they'd like to be out. But Trump's date was conditional. It was, you know, it was based on what's going on over there. So we would like to be out on the 21st if the Taliban has this and we have that. And, uh, you know, if those conditions weren't meant, they probably weren't going to do it. But, um, you know, getting out of there, it, it's one thing to get out of there and see, because they, they say we train the Afghan army and equip them based on how our army fights. Mm -hmm. So that means they have air support. That means they have intelligence. They have stuff to deal with. When we pulled all that, which is what happened, of course they collapsed. Yeah. And, um, you know, Biden saying they just weren't willing to fight. And I think they they said they've lost over, what, 50,000? 60,000. 60,000 in the last 20 years fighting. So, they're, uh, the so they see all the allies and all of the military people that fought with these Afghans side by side are furious over that statement because President Biden made it sound like they just chickened out and ran. Well, from what I've read, the the uh, the military that in in Afghanistan that the U.S. was training was was horribly corrupt. Um, that oh, they yeah. were, you know, their their middle management leaders were taking payoffs right. and, and leaving people out to drive. It was, it was it was a disaster. It seems to me, and again, I'm not an ex expert, that but when something like this happens, it, it seems to me you have one of two choices. Um, and and when I say something like this happens, it keeps happening. There's you know I this think? keeps happening. Yeah. So it's going to happen again. It's happened multiple times. This isn't a one-off. But it seems like you have one of two choices. Bomb the heck out of them for six months and get out of there. And be done with it. Or d know that, hey, we're going to be here for like three generations. Well, well, one of the two. Who's the guy that both his legs were amputated? That's, unfortunately, that's a lot of people. Yeah, I know. Johnny, 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 he's on Fox all the time. He said it per made it perfectly clear. If they have a rifle, you shoot them. End discussion. And then move out.
He says, you can't trust these people, no way, shape, or form, and we're letting them come to the United States totally unbedded. They're landing in military bases as we speak. Mm. Crazy. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some other stuff. Yes, we are. Right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Hi, folks. Welcome back. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, you know, we're so proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates, offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training for the nation's top instructors, and provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Learn more and go to nationalconcealedcarryassociation.com. So, Mike, what has been the most challenging part of starting all these local gun packs? That's a, that's a big question. You know, we, we started San Diego first. It was always in the, the plan uh, to have more. Um, Orange County, you know, L.A., um, and, and, and we do. We have more now. But we started off with San Diego literally with nothing. We didn't have a dime in the bank. Um, we had uh, nothing. Um, you know, and I walked away from a, from a very secure, good job to do it. Um, and there's been a lot of challenges that I didn't expect. I think one of the one of the big challenges has been that some of the Second Amendment organizations that we've heard of, and some of the people that run these Second Amendment organizations that you all know, I'm not going to say the names of the organization or the people, but they've been hostile towards us, hostile towards San Diego County gun owners, hostile towards me, um, even after meeting with them. And uh, saying, "Hey, you know, we wanna we wanna work together. We wanna try to 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 do to do this plan. It's a simple plan. We just want to get people elected in the local boards and councils across the, the county. That's all we wanted to do. We're not trying to step on toes or take over anything. We're not doing this because we felt that other gun organizations were doing a bad job. We were just trying to we're just trying to add to the to the plan. And some of the again pro Second Amendment organizations have tried to do more damage to us than some of the anti gun." organizations, which is bizarre for me to say, and it was bizarre for me to see. So, you know, they've uh, uh, kind of done some back channel gossip about, uh, you know, us being corrupt or whatever, that we're not in it for the Second Amendment and that sort of thing. And that's been tough. Um, you know, Firearms Policy Coalition is one organization that stood by us from the beginning, and, and we I, I can't tell you, we, you know, we've done great things, and we're continuing doing great things with Firearms Policy Coalition. They didn't tell us how how we should do things. They just said, Hey, how can we help? And now we're filing lawsuits together and, and, and it looks really good and think good things are happening. So I think that some of these other organizations see us as a, as competition and see us as a threat to their, maybe their revenue source. I'm, I'm not sure, but maybe just their, their power and influence. I'm not, not real positive. And unfortunately we've had some problems with uh, up in orange County. We had an issue with a, with a volunteer um, who, uh, Said he was in the Marine Corps at one one point. Turns out he wasn't in the Marine Corps, um, and uh, that's a problem. And uh, you know he, but he's a volunteer. Somehow, that reflected on our organization, and you know it's not fair. That's you know a lot of the, of our members and volunteers do a lot of things in their personal life. None of that has to do with the Second Amendment, but they you know use that against us and. 
and uh, that's unfortunate. Down here in San Diego, one of our volunteer leaders um, got into uh, some some issues. He was basically saying, hey, if you want an off-roster pistol, then go to this police officer over here. He'll do a private party transfer. He can buy it because he's law enforcement. He'll do a private party transfer, and then you can have you know, an off-roster pistol. And he got in trouble. He got in, indicted, went to, took him to court, and he, he pled guilty to aiding and abetting. Again, that's that's not a reflection on our organization. That's something he did in his personal life. But what kills me about that is that roster law is something that we don't agree with. None of us agree with it. It's a horror. If he wasn't breaking the law in 49 other states, it was just here in California. You know, these guns weren't going to criminals. He wasn't making a dime off of it. He was just saying, hey, this police officer over here is able to get you an off-roster pistol. And and everybody at the time thought it was legal and and until uh you know until until they found out it wasn't. And again, that somehow is uh they're using it against us and it's it's like reflecting on us and it, it doesn't have anything to do with the second amendment. It really doesn't have anything to do with us or the quality of work that we're doing. Um and it definitely doesn't have anything to do with the second amendment. And it doesn't have anything to do with restoring the second amendment. It doesn't have anything to do with fighting for the second amendment. Um, and it's unfortunate. So there, I, I think that the toughest problem it, it can be boiled down to, you know, personality issues, which is getting in the way. You know, we're going to open up uh, L.A. County gun owners. We're going to open up San Francisco Bay Area gun owners. Um, we're going to continue to, to uh, grow Orange County, Riverside County, San Bernardino County gun owners. We have big plans. And there's a lot of uh, we've already done a lot of great work. There's a lot of great people behind the work that we're doing. So uh, I think that's been the biggest challenge, and it's been uh, it's been jarring, you know, watching uh, Second Amendment leaders who appear to be fighting for the Second Amendment, but in reality, their actions are uh, that it's really just about their own ambition or their own power or their own insecurities. I don't know. We've just tried to. I tell I tell you know our staff and I tell our our volunteer board, hey, look, we're going to outwork them and we're going to outclass them. And that's what we continue to do every single day. We wake up and we try to be effective and we do the best job we can. And you know what? We're winning more than we're losing. And it's been really great. So the biggest challenge has been uh, not the anti-gunners, not the, the uh, moms demand action or whatever. I mean, they're, you know, they, they mouth off and do their thing. But uh, the biggest challenge, the, big, the hardest part has actually been people who you would think would be our friends. And I, I never talk about this publicly. I never name names. I never talk about what organizations are doing this to us. Um, I t- tell everybody, hey, support all every second, every pro Second Amendment organization out there. Support them. Um, but if someone's uh, you know bad mouthing us or, or has a personal issue with us, just remember that's a personal issue. It's got nothing to do with the Second Amendment, and we we're not going to entertain that stuff anymore. Uh, we never really did. We're just going to continue to fight for the Second Amendment and do our best. And uh, we're an open book, um, you know. Anybody that that we're a meritocracy. If you come and work hard on Second Amendment stuff, then you're going to get a lot of stuff done, and you're going to get a lot of support from us. So I think, surprisingly, that's been the hardest part: is the people that we, we thought were, were going to be our friends, the people that we think we're fighting side by side in uh, in this fight. So I encourage everybody, you know, um, put put that stuff uh, away. You know, just fight for the Second Amendment. So that's been the toughest part. Does that surprise you? Uh, no. <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise you? Because, <clears throat> and I'm not take I'm not saying anything negative about the other groups, but I think the other groups see you as much more successful than them, and I think that's based on your on your game plan. 
you've been you spent more years on this than people know and you're working the plan you're not deviating your your goal has always been the same and it's not making a bucket load of money because you have to sell three cars to buy a, a new bronco so if you had all the money you would have already bought a bronco you know what i'm saying but your goal has always been and always will be second amendment rights and education and training well, people don't realize the heavy lift that it takes to organize people, too. Yeah, you know, with anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. And, I mean, really. You know, not, lawsuits are important, and, uh, you know, lobbying is important, but trying to manage, you know, we're up to 2,800, 2,900 members, 2,800 members, and, uh, you know, trying to manage and organize literally thousands of people in a county, um, you know, it just, it's a lot of, of hands-on, unsexy work. Yeah, but did you think yeah. my goal, my, what I said was what wasn't that your goal? Was it wrong what I said about that? Well, so that may be the case now. They may look at us and go, "Hey, you guys are successful, and we're jealous or whatever." But I got to tell you, they started attacking us from day one. I mean, I'm talking about you know a few months into our existence. So what is it? There's got. We'll see. They won't talk to you, but I mean, there's. It'd be interesting to ask them what is it about us that you don't like what well, are we doing that is upsetting you well and, and i'll tell you this it's not just us it's anyone that's not them they're they're all, a lot of these groups just don't play well in the sandbox together yeah, well, well. yeah and, hey. and that would have surprised me in the beginning uh, when i first got involved with this stuff but but after being around for a little bit you know you do see that and it's you know when because i always used to look at it as okay we're all on the same side we should all be be pushing together, you know, to, to get this common goal that we have and, uh, and different groups do different things. There's groups out here that focus on the state. There's groups that focus nationally. There's us that focus locally and we're not really duplicating one another. We're just, we're all fighting on the same side. And, um, but again, after even meeting gun owners, there's, there's gun owners that, yeah, we don't, I don't like that organization. I don't like this organization. And, uh, you know, so you see it at the gun owner level too, which, um, again, I always thought was a bad thing because the other side seems a little more cohesive and what they're fighting for. And I think it's bad sometimes that, that we, uh, or that the people on our side do this. Now, well, and, and you've been a board member for what, four or five years now? Yeah. I think We're, I came on like, like six months after it got started. Okay. So five, now. six years, We're, we'll, we'll be six years old in like November. Mm-hmm. So you've been around for five years. You and I have gotten to know each other. You've been a board member just about the whole time. We're on the radio together once a once a month. You and I, you know, uh, talk occasionally once a month, with you. Once a or once a, once a week. Month? You just got to be once a week. Yeah, see, it's a- <laughs> how much do I, I? This isn't something I dwell on. I don't know. You tell me. Is this something I talk? I certainly don't bash the other side or. or no, whatever. it isn't. And, and again, I've, if anything, you, know, you yell at me when I open my big mouth because <laughs> I'll I'll I'm worse than you. I don't have the patience that you have, so I will say names and I'll. Yeah. Yeah. And well, you're going, now, 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 Dave, now, now, now. But you stay in that middle of the road, you know. Outwork them and outclass them. That, I love that. That There should be a T-shirt. <laughs> well, and that's the way to go. Because, I mean, we don't, you know, we as as a cause, the cause doesn't benefit if we're going to be fighting publicly with this no. group or that group. And it's silly. And, you know, and being a board member, you know, I've seen some of the things you're talking about. So I know, I know what and who you're talking about. And um, it's unfortunate. I thought it was unfortunate, you know, the couple of things that I've seen, and I'm sure I haven't seen all of it, that I, you know, I thought it's a shame, you know, you waste energy like that. But and uh, the off-road community does the same thing. Yeah, no, part of it might be a human nature thing. Yeah. I know, uh, you know. There's a lot of groups 
in the off-road community all trying to do the same thing and keep the deserts open, keep the land open, keep the trails open. But to try to get them all together and now I don't think they are attacking anybody like they're attacking you. Yeah, we 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 get we have gotten attacked. And it's it's kind of it's it's you know, it's not every day, but man, it just they it flares up and then it goes well, away yeah, and, and it flares up. Yeah. And, and it's not away. like you're being, you know, hypersensitive or anything. When we were at the uh, the coordinators conference, the CCW conference, um, <laughs> you know, someone mentioned that to me. So, yeah, all these groups tend to fight or do this or do that. So, I mean, you know, they've seen it, too. Well, when we were at that 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 conference, uh, I got you got. Did you notice I got the cold shoulder? Yes, that was that was the, the next table over. The next table over. <laughs> they wouldn't talk to me, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. You're just a big. It's dad. like high school. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. It's like high mean school girls. never ending. <laughs> All right, folks, don't go anywhere. Sam the Gunman, and another great mic drop that you can't miss. So stay tuned in to KCBQ AM eleven seventy. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM. 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, we live in a state where your self-defense rights are under attack. Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things that you can do. One, like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, and the podcast or wherever you like to listen to the show. Leave us a five-star review on your Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and it will really help us boost the show and put us in front of more people thanks to you all right all right before we uh before we talk to my nephew uh on uh youtube listening m gabriel welcome and ttt thanks for the compliment man it's a it's an honor and a privilege appreciate you, say you. you were cute <laughs> well you're on that's you're exactly on TV. uh he just said he appreciated the good work that, the hard work that we're doing and i appreciate i appreciate you saying that yeah it's an honor and a privilege and uh the best time i've ever had in my life Okay, so every week we have uh, everyone's favorite segment, mm-hmm. Stump, my nephew. We found out a few years ago that my young nephew, who just had a birthday, he's now 22, um, is a, a savant. What did we decide? We decided that Mensch wasn't right and Wiz. Let's just call him a Wiz. Yeah, that's what, yeah, because he's a Wiz. Wiz, kid. Wiz we yeah. didn't like, but we couldn't come we up like with any better right. yet. So let's just call him Sam. You Why like don't it? we ask him what he would like to be called? Well, we found out that he's really good at gun trivia. So if you send us gun trivia and we use it on the air, we'll give you a hat or a t shirt. If you stump him, you get a uh, front site membership. Sam, how you doing? Not bad. How are you guys? Fantastic. Are you ready for the, uh, are you ready for this? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you always uh, talk me up so much. <laughs> well this i gotta tell you this one uh i don't know we'll see if you get this one i've already seen next week's though and i'm telling you get ready for a stomp next week somebody wrote in an extremely hard question um but we'll start with this week all right alex from alpine why did the bar rifle lose favor with the armed forces alex from alpine thanks for writing in um, <clears throat> now the, uh, the BAR or Browning automatic rifle is, uh, well, as, as the name suggests, 
an automatic rifle designed by John Browning. Um, it's chambered in .30-06, typically, uh, and feeds from a 20-round box magazine. Um, now, the BAR was used in a limited capacity beginning in about the 1920s. It was actually ready in time for the First World War, but uh, they were not deployed in combat. Uh, it saw a lot of use in World War II in Korea, but uh, it was ultimately phased out by the U.S. Army in 1957 uh, when they completely switched over to 762 NATO. Um, the idea was that the M14 would be able to pretty much replace the uh, light automatic firepower of the BAR, and that for um, when when more suppressive fire was needed, the M60 would uh, would do the job. The event. This is what they wrote. The eventual downfall of the BAR was its weight and cartridge choice. JMB chose the 30 out six. That's John Moses Browning for you playing at home. Uh, chose a 30 out six Springfield cartridge for his gun because that was the primary caliber of choice for the U.S. soldiers in their M1903 Springfield rifles. Ammunition compatibility between the squad level guns meant that the soldiers in the field could share ammo between each other when supplies started running low. But while the 30 out six cartridge is a great round for killing enemy soldiers, it's an extremely heavy and bulky cartridge. A small capacity magazine combined with the heavy ammunition was just too much to carry. In addition, in order to fire the heavy and powerful ammunition, the gun needed to be over engineered to take the strain of full auto 30 out six. That over engineering led the rifle. Uh, to be extremely uh, overweight by today's standard, eventually replaced by the M14. I would say you got it. Excellent. Congratulations, Sam. Good job. Thanks very much. Um, now, the uh, the Army's idea to replace pretty much everything with either the M14 or the M60, uh, mostly the M14, was kind of dumb, and it was motivated mostly by the ordinance corps saying, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could just give everyone the same thing? That would make it a lot easier to deploy weapons. But it turns out the M14 was not a very good jack-of-all-trades, but that's another story for another day. So, do, Sounds do, like the same guys that planned the Afghanistan pullout. I think. <laughs> have you ever had it? Have you ever handled a BAR? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I have. I don't think have I have. I don't think I've ever held BAR? one. No, but they're in almost every World War II movie well, ever made. You, right? They're freaking heavy. <laughs> they're a cumbersome. And then when we got the M14s, we thought we died and gone to heaven with the M14. But then that turned out to be heavy. I have held an M14, and it's it's like a. You it's fired like, it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like uh, um, you know, it's like carrying a big old two by four. Man. I know. That's Actually, it's I, like carrying a 4 by 4 Whenever our guys went on a force march, I would take something off my tank retriever just so I didn't have to force march with my M14. <laughs> I'd fly serious as a heart attack. So what do you think about the the uh, the SAW and M4 combination that the military currently uses? Um, well, it's interesting that you should say the military currently uses that. Uh, it's actually only the Army that does that. The Marine Corps... Uh, beginning in, well, it's it's kind of a, a long story, but the Marine Corps switched from the M249 to the M27 infantry automatic rifle, which, uh, for those of you following along at home, is a heavy-barreled HK416. Um, it has the same controls as an M16. It, has, it uses the same magazines, most importantly. Um, and the idea behind that decision was the Marine Corps wanted 
something um, that could provide smaller volumes of more accurate suppressive fire uh, with greater reliability than the, uh, the saw, which is relatively unreliable, relatively inaccurate. It's heavy. Um, it's supposed to be able to use M4 magazines, but it doesn't work well with them. Um, but that's uh, I'm, I'm actually in the process of, of writing an article about that I whole was, thing. I was about to say, have you thought about writing an article for Leatherneck Magazine about this? Um, yeah, was was that uh, was that question planted? <laughs> Leatherneck Magazine, which is the what basically it's the he's Marine writing for Leatherneck. Magazine? Yeah, it's the Marine Corps uh, uh, trade magazine, basically, and he's writing an article. They must have heard our show. About. Outstanding. I know. I know. Twenty two years old. This guy's gonna be Amazing. a published author. Yes, he is. All right, man. Awesome job, Sam. Thanks, buddy. Thanks very, uh, thanks very much for having me on, as always. You guys have a good night. You I too. do. And when that article is uh, published, I'm going to make sure you guys all read it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna frame I can't it. wait. I know. This kid's so so smart. Yeah. You, you guys all see where I get it from. Clearly. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> same, same DNA. You know, I went into the doctor the other day and actually got some bad news. He said that my uh, – I did some tests, and he said that my, my DNA was actually backwards. And I said, and? and? Should have saved that. For uh, let's go to let's, uh, let's right. do the mic drop. All right now, <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. All right, and now it's time for this week's mic drop. Mic drop. La Mesa is an East County city, and everyone thinks that East County San Diego is simply pro gun, like it's expected, like it was an accident that it happened. Like most other political myths, this is simply not true. Take a look at the people La Mesa has on their city council. Uh, Mark, uh, their mayor, Colin Parent, and their newly elected Jack Shue, none of them will stand up for your civil rights, or at least not the right to defend yourself. In fact, Shue and Parent have both pledged to further limit your right to defend yourself, proudly, as a part of their platform. The people of La Mesa elected both of them, knowing that they're anti-Second Amendment. There's one guy that'll stand up for your Second Amendment on La Mesa City Council, and that's Councilman Bill Baber. We endorsed Bill and are proud to have him there. But he's just one of four people on the council, and that is a little bit of a hint of what I'm about to talk about. Who's the fifth person on the city council in La Mesa? They don't have one. She was another anti-Second Amendment elected official, and she has left office to go to higher office. Yes, just like we've been saying, the reason you need to forcefully be active in local races is because those elected on local boards and councils turn into state and federal candidates. La Mesa is just another example. Now, there's going to be an election for that fifth seat. It's on November 2nd. That's just a few months away. Yes, it's extremely important to focus on the recall right now. Make sure you vote yes on September 14th or before. Make sure you get 10 people to do the same. Get out there and help get more people to do the same. Contact us if you don't know what to do or where to go. Contact Reform California online to roll up your sleeves and pitch in. They're doing a great job. But we need to get a foothold in La Mesa right after the recall election is done. If an anti-Second Amendment candidate wins in La Mesa, then another city, and this one is, a, is supposedly a pro-2A East County San Diego city, will be lost to the, gun, the anti-gun lobby. Rather, Expect to see unreasonable storage laws and expect to see them embrace red flag laws. Expect to see more anti-gun rhetoric that will not just affect La Mesa, but will help their county and statewide efforts to ban your guns. Pure and simple. San Diego County Gun Owners has a candidate in mind. We're going to announce that endorsement as soon as we can. But consider this message as a mark your calendar. As soon as the recall is done, we're going to ask our Second Amendment Army to march and support our La Mesa candidate. That's figuratively. We don't do marches and protests. We need you to actually be effective. 
and we're going to show you how. I cannot think of a city in San Diego that has seen how important your, self, your right to self-defense is more than La Mesa has in the last 16 months. But just sitting there and shaking your heads doesn't get people elected. We need your dime and we need your time. We need you to wake up on November 3rd and know that you did everything you could to make sure that La Mesa had a fighting chance or live the rest of your life knowing you did nothing to help their victory or you did nothing to prevent their defeat. Ever vigilance is the price of liberty and living in the country of the self-governed. I've said that before. I'll say it again. Vigilance isn't just having an opinion. It means action. You give us your time. We'll make you productive. We make activism easy, but we can't do it without you. Together, we will win. And that is this week's Mic Drop. Mic Drop. All right, folks. Hey, thank you very much. That was great. Hey, subscribe to our podcast. Just search Gun Owners Radio. You'll find us. Leave a five-star review to help get the word out. And please support all our great sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, the Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Blackhound Optics, 365 Glacier Payments, and National Concealed Carry Association. And a big shout-out to Michael Schwartz, Joe Jermisi, Sam the Gunman, and our audio expert, Brendan Thomas. Hey, uh, Bob Siegel's coming up next. You definitely don't want to touch that dial. Not after the week we had. It's going to be wild right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.